Time for rolling. The right targets. That is one trade. T Tigers is still pretty healthy. Tries to jump in. He finds one. This is a big turnaround for Liberation X. They might get the third. They might find an ace here. On to Lost Boy Top. Surrey Strike is not oh. something goes down. He might go for Donna Twips. He's gonna get one. He's gonna get two. Lost Boy Top. Oh, Lost Boy Top. He does it. He gets the two versus one turnaround under the turret. He lives Welcome to Time for Rolling Esports, the weekly podcast that brings you Vainglory Esports. From predictions to recaps and analysis, we present to you the best in professional Vainglory. Now, here's your hosts, Endless and Crude Sloth. It's Time for Rolling here and welcome to time for rolling esports episode 042 this is episode 42 i am joined with my co-host cruise sloth how's it going going pretty good man how are you doing i'm doing all right i'm surviving uh our yeah. third co-host belligerent how's it going i am getting beat up by a migraine headache but i'm here and i'm ready to roll anyway <laughs> we're all on the struggle bus but we gotta keep we gotta keep pushing. So crazy weekend, a lot happened. Crude, how was your overall weekend of Vainglory or all the other stuff you had to do? Uh it was good. It was just mainly Vainglory. Uh but yeah, it I don't know, it was a lot of some surprises. Uh we had some interesting play, especially on the EU side. We'll get on that a little bit later. Touch on it at least. But yeah. Pretty good weekend and uh I don't know. Do you have anything to say about it? Uh, I don't know. Not really. How about you, Belligerent? Uh, my weekend was not all that hot, obvious for obvious reasons. Uh, <laughs> and then on Sunday, I just had to go to work. So fair enough. Ugh, work. I yeah. mean, I obviously do have a lot to say about it, but we'll do that when we get into the episode. So first, let's start with EU. Um, we can do our picks. Uh, refresh your guys' memories. I picked Mouse Sports. To win this first game, uh, Crude and Belligerent both picked Fnatic. Uh, started off great for me. Mouse Sports goes ahead and two O's Fnatic. Then we had a little bit of an issue. Some, a lot of crazy stuff happened. A lot of stuff that I kind of got confused with. So Belligerent, I don't know if you want to try to explain to the viewers what happened and why there was a replay and what ended up happening for that first game. Okay, so here's what happened um, in game. I'm trying to get the sides right, and if I'm wrong. You guys can correct me, but I am pretty sure that in game one, Mouse was on side A and Fnatic was on side B. Then in game two, uh, they drafted properly with Fnatic drafting on side A, Mouse drafting on side B. However, in the match, they forgot to switch sides. So Mouse was still playing from side A, Fnatic was still playing from side B. They went on and they played, I think it was three or four minutes into the match. Fnatic got a huge lead, uh, out-rotated Mouse almost in every aspect up to then. 
But then SEMC made the call to restart the match because the teams were on the wrong side. However, in the rule book, it says in order to do that, both teams have to agree. Fnatic did not agree, and that communication got lost, mixed up, confused. I'm not exactly sure what. Uh, so SEMC restarted the match anyway. Uh, as some people can imagine, that's a huge mental uh, defeat for Fnatic. I talked to Tetno JJ after the match, and you know he confirmed that they were just kind of tilted mentally so to speak because of that restart uh and it also in a way put them at a disadvantage because now mouse was ready for the rotation that they were going to do that they had just gotten such a large advantage off of in the start of the other match um and so mouse goes on to 2-0 later that night scmc made a decision uh which was uh communicated in the uh, captain's group, which I'm a part of, uh, that because the communication got mixed up and because Fnatic did not agree to restart the match, that they were going to then replay the match because it wasn't fair to Fnatic to restart it when Fnatic did not agree. So they were basically giving them a do-over at game two. And so that's what happened. Uh, The matches were played off stream and Fnatic managed to end up winning game two, which then made the series one, one. So it then had to go to a game three, which fanatic also took. So, yeah, I mean, the original screenshots from after day one was mouse sports two Oh, it ends up being fanatic two to one. So mouse sports does get one point, obviously probably just as difficult for just man and tricking them to swallow that. Uh, they looked pretty good. You know, tricky was a player that belligerent was looking out for. I thought tricky looked strong. I didn't, I before I didn't get to watch the, the new games to see what happened in those, but you know, the two that I did see, uh, Mouse looked pretty good. I was kind of impressed. Um, but I guess the better team still ended up winning. Uh, do you think overall SCMC handled that situation as best as they could? After making the initial mistake of the restart, I th- think they handled it the fairest way. Because, again, the rule book stated that both teams had to agree. When Fnatic didn't agree and they still basically got penalized for it, that was wrong. And so I think you know, making the best out of a bad situation. Yeah. I, in my opinion, it was correct, accurate, and the right thing for SEMC to do to have that replay. Uh, I know right. there's some people that don't like it. I'm sure Mouse doesn't like it, but uh, SEMC in a way kind of violated their own rule book. Again, I think there was some miscommunication. I'm not saying they did it on purpose. And so they made good on that by giving the replay. So yeah, I think they handled it they made the best out of a bad situation. All right, so that was game one. Pretty interesting start for EU. Belligerent and crew do pick up that first point. Uh, game two, Calamity Reborn versus Dynasty. I was the sole person picking Calamity. I think Crude and Belligerent both kind of touched on just, you know, it was more of Calamity needs to prove Belligerent uh, that they're a strong team. Crude was more of that Leon. He doesn't think yet he can carry him, which kind of being the the story of the matchup i guess you know leon would win a team fight for his team and the next team fight he would step too far forward celeste and die and lose the team fight so to me it was very based on i i personally watched this game it was the off stream game and i just every matchup i was just waiting to see if leon was going to make the correct decision or the wrong decision so it ends up being a really close series a third game i think calamity kind of threw slightly uh career did you get to watch this matchup 
Uh, I did not get to watch this one actually, but I did see that they had that interview with Leon, and I don't. Did you guys see the interview with Leon? I did not. Uh, I did not either. Oh well, like he was talking about how uh, there he has no doubt that like these guys that calamity can be you know one of the top teams if they put in the time in practice, but they have to be able to put in the time in the practice, and he's not sure. He basically pretty much said he's like I I don't see that happening us putting in the time in practice. It was kind of weird. It was like he's like. We can definitely be the best if we want to be, but we have to put in that time and that effort. And he's like, I don't know if we will. Like, I was like, uh, okay, so you're pretty much <laughs> saying that you're not going to put in the time and effort. Got it. That's it. I, it yeah, yeah, it was an interesting interview. I mean, maybe they just don't have the support to be able to scrim every night or, you know, maybe someone's at school. Who right. knows? Um, it's kind of always been a thing in the past for Leon is he likes to play the game and he's a good competitor, but he just can't find a team or he can't, you know, dedicate enough time to become a strong team like Dynasty who can put in a lot of time. So Dynasty does win that 2-1. to one. Do you have anything to say about that matchup, Belligerent? Uh, I actually did not get to see that one. Um, All right. So... It it's kind of just taking off of from what uh, Crude was saying. It's also kind of why I was saying Calamity just needs to prove it to me because at the end of last season, uh, Leon was on Twitter kind of calling out his teammates and things like that. So I worry about the chemistry uh, with that team, yeah. and that's why I said they had to prove it to me. Which calling people out on Twitter is kind of what we're starting to see a common theme from the EU region after other matchups on uh, in the EU side. We saw certain players just saying our we lost because of our captain didn't make plays. And a lot of people saying you just need to, you know, when is a team losing his team? You know, it's kind of rough, but uh, it was, I believe, K last. And uh, K last is the roamer for uh, whatever team that I can't think of right now. Salt- I want to say it's Salty Potatoes. Salty Potatoes, right, right. Yeah, so that is our <laughs> next matchup Salty Potatoes versus G2. That was a close matchup as well. G2 does sneak away with that. Two to one. I didn't. They didn't look as strong. I was hoping they would. I know all three of us did pick G two, so we all do pick up a point. Uh, I finally get my first point of the weekend. Salty. You know they look decent, but yeah, G two does go and pick that up. Crew, do you have anything for this matchup? Uh, no, not really. I kind of expected G two to kind of handle business. I was surprised. Salty potatoes took off. Took one off of G two, especially the way G two was coming off of that the championship there. I thought that they were in a stronger much better place but they i mean you know they they did end up moving on but it was it was a little sketchy there for a minute you know i was like okay maybe salty potatoes can pull this out but yeah, yeah i mean keanu nikoa pretty much did what he normally does as captain and led the team on to the semis so yeah i mean the uh the last matchup though is sk versus clash which uh, SK was a team that I I had them winning against Clash. I know Crude had them winning against Clash. Belligerent actually did pick that uh pick the upset with Clash beating them. Unfortunately, SK played great this weekend for every matchup they had. Um, do you uh, have anything to say about your Clash team there, Belligerent? I was just trying to pick an upset pick. Um, <laughs> I mean, I again, I didn't get to see a lot of EU. I was actually dealing with a lot of the fantasy league stuff that i was putting together so i didn't get to watch as many games as i wanted to right um and also at the same time trying to prepare with our team for our match later in the day so um but i i do think that clash still has the potential uh the rising lotus team clash supremacy whatever name they went by last season yeah. but they they were definitely 
I want to say like flash in the pan type team. There were games where they just looked like they could really um, be a successful team in the, in the league. And then there were other ones where they would just lay an egg. And I honestly feel like it's that way with a lot of the EU teams um, where they're just, they're so hit and miss with their performance. And, you know, SK is a solid uh, team, solid performers. Uh, Their coach is, is great. So not surprised that SK walked away with that win. All right. So then for semifinal one, we have Fnatic versus dynasty Uh, crude. He uh, goes ahead and picks the Dynasty upset, I believe. And yep. I picked Mouse Sports to win, but they lost. And Belligerent does pick Fnatic to win. And that is what happens. Fnatic does win that series. Another good matchup. Um, you know, Fnatic kind of gets lucky there and gets their more, you know, gets that. The SMC makes it right. Fnatic gets their chance to get to semifinals, which gives them in the grand finals. So Fnatic wins that semifinal one. Belligerent gets two more points. So uh, he is currently at five. Unfortunately, his semifinal two, uh, he does not have SK in it. So he doesn't get any points there. But Crew does pick up his point because SK does beat G2. Um, you know, I was thinking G2 is maybe going to. Uh, carry that strong performance from the uh, summer finals. But, you know, SK, like I said, they're just looking really good this weekend. So grand finals, SK versus Fnatic, probably the two teams that what do you know? we'll see at the top when it comes to the end of the these splits is SK Fnatic. Last season, obviously, we saw them battling for that first and second one-point difference. We see SK coming out on top, though, winning the grand finals, uh, and they are our first week champions i did not ever see the screenshots of third place though so i don't i'm not sure who won i do who won the matchup between g2 g2 beat dynasty 2-0 so so g2 does get those points did anybody i mean did you guys watch the g2 matchups this weekend uh i watched the second uh day two i did them go against sk i did not watch them go against salty potatoes on day one i watched them go against salty (laughs) What type of comps were they running? Um, let's Do you remember? See. Do I have screenshots of them? Now you're putting pressure on me. Yeah. I am. Because <laughs> I don't remember what I did yesterday. And, you know, I mean, I'm that type of person. Unless well, I have and, written down. And while you're looking for it, the reason that I ask is when G2 was dominant, they were really doing, or they were playing comps where it was basically two heavy frontliners uh, right. for and then Hundor in the back and so like they, uh, last season the, like I mean Potato is well known for his jungle lance right yep. um yep. he he was also a great alpha player and alpha is a very tanky hero so they were very good at frontlining for Hundor and it felt to me like last season they had the hiccup because of Dark Potato and his school situation but it also felt like they were trying to just like broaden their hero pool and putting dark potato on heroes like Samuel and things like that, that I just don't feel fits their play style. So I'm wondering if they're still trying that, or if they're trying to go back to their roots, I would really like to see them start trying to go back to their roots because that's how they dominated EU was that, that double front line for Hondor, uh, let Hondor carry, let dark potato, you know, be a pain in everybody's, but from, you know, his with his his tanks and stuff like that and um like i remember last season the first time potato played samuel 
he was he had like 14 assists and no kills yeah. and i tweeted yeah. at him and he said yeah it was a great rome samuel wasn't it <laughs> um so i'm just curious if they're still trying to sh- like show that bigger hero pool or if yeah, they're starting so to go back to their roots first matchup g2 drafted grace blackfeather and sky um against uh lance rona and scarf and they won that one they lost second game which i don't have the draft of that one but the third game that they did win it was a Finn, glaive and celeste so that would be your two you know your two front bruisers with that celeste in the yeah. back um when it comes to day I do know two I do know Dark Potato, he had Lance in one of the, I can't remember which game it was, but he did have his Lance, his weapon power Lance, I believe in, I think it was the second game, but don't quote me on that. Against um, SK. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I know he was picking up those bruisers, those heavier. Okay. Yeah. Cause so. that's like, I have a lot of faith in G2. I think they can be one of the top teams. Obviously they showed it in spring season. Um, so I would just like to see them getting back towards some of that. That would be exciting for me. Uh, I don't necessarily, like you said, they had Blackfeather. And what, I don't mind that pit necessarily because Blackfeather's a pain in the ass to deal with. So, yeah. And honestly, the only reason I remember Dark Potato playing that Lance is because I have him on my fantasy team. And I remember drafting him for like, oh, well, his Lance is really good. So I'll pick him up. But yeah, so I was <laughs> like, oh, he's playing Lance. All right, cool. Here's my chance to get like 12 kills. And I don't know if he did or not. I can't remember, but that's that's the only reason I remember that. <laughs> mm, okay. I don't mean to go on a tangent because this podcast is going to be long, but if people do play normal sports fantasy, like real players in football can get mad because someone will tweet at them and be like, you need to do better. And already on Bangalore Twitter, I'm seeing people tweeting at players, asking them to get more kills <laughs> all because of yep. this Bangalore fantasy. So belligerent, uh, I don't know what you've started, but it's going to be a fun season <laughs> all because there's yeah. like more invested. Like I'm rooting for yeah. Tyrus magically, even though like yeah. what's whatever, if I care about SK or not, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see how it ends up created a monster yeah it's gonna be a lot more uh, people getting triggered on uh twitter because of the players not <laughs> doing well nice yeah but all right let's move on to na then and start talking about these matchups um i don't know if i gave totals points for eu the total points then for eu for each person was endless with a sad i had a sad two points crude with nine because he did pick sk to win it i don't even know if i mentioned sk winning they won um and then we had Belinger with five. So uh, I'm at the bottom. Let's not talk about it. Uh, NA, let's, new let's, see if, let's see if NA is better for me. Um, we'll start out strong with me picking Tribe Gaming to beat TSM. Uh, we clearly see TSM, I mean, not only win that game, but TSM, look, that's probably their strongest matchup of, of the weekend was that first matchup against Tribe. Yeah, I mean... TSM played top-notch, best Chuck, 7-0 and on that Celeste, the very first game. Uh, and Von C, he did all right with his his Kroll. He only had a Poison Shiv, or, uh, yeah, Poison Shiv and a Tension Bow. So he wasn't putting out that much damage. But T-Tigers, he was on that Baptiste. He struggled. He went 0-4. Uh, Dienzo played all right. He was going for that four offensive item box. But, yeah, it was rough game one for them. All I can say is I told you so. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for that, honestly. You you know, and like I wasn't going into it like saying there's no way TSM could win. Like I thought it was probably a good possibility, but I was just really surprised with, I don't know, like Immortals just didn't, or here we go already. 
uh, tribe didn't exactly. look like they didn't really look like they had anything together. Like Dinzio on that, like Idris, honestly, like he just didn't look like he knew. Like he didn't play that mechanically like he normally does. I was just, I was just surprised. And then you know that second, that second draft from uh, TSM. I don't know, Blizzard, if you want to talk about this, but Gwen is someone that TSM is starting to pull out. I think TSM is the only team that played Gwen this weekend. Well, and I think into their comp, and you will have to remind me what the rest of it was, but there was a very good reason it fit into their comp. Ryan and, I can't, and Catherine. It, Ryan, yeah, and Ryan Catherine. Catherine. Okay, so the yep. thing that Gwen does in that comp is her buckshot creates a team-wide slow, slow for Rhyme to actually catch up to his targets. And that we all know that that's what Rhyme struggles with is catching up to his targets. And so Gwen uh, into or with, uh, alongside a Rhyme can be a very strong combo because then people can't run away from the rhyme. She has a slow uh, every, Not to every few seconds. Catherine's merciless pursuit. So, I mean, that's right. Stunt. And, yeah. and yeah. And then it, once he catches up, rhyme has the root rhyme has the stun from his ultimate. So the Gwen plays very well into that comp. And let's not forget that before Gwen got her nerf on her heroic perk, that uh, Chuck was a, basically a Gwen yeah. main. I mean, that's yeah. like all he ever picked. Exactly. Uh, when I was when I was coaching Gangstars, we even identified that as we just can't let Chuck get Gwen. Similar to the Baron of last season, you just can't let Chuck get this. So Chuck knows how to play that character. She's not as strong as she used to be, but in that comp, it worked very well because of that reason. And if you even take you know Gwen out, we still saw this Catherine and Rhyme combo where we see Catherine, you know, Merciless Pursuit, stun someone, and then Rhyme just like, rooting dropping it all on someone's face and like we saw that uh, i mean you know rogue was running this comp as well so i didn't know if this like rhyme was almost starting to become meta like a, a jungler bruiser that people were starting to pick and i was just kind of excited to see rhyme back on the fold yeah and i think you'll start to you'll probably start to see him showing up more similar to the way cruel did last season because you're going to start to see more cruel bands coming out um and so rhyme we all know rhyme is pretty much the crystal equivalent of a cruel and yeah. for that reason and for cruel getting banned so much i think we'll start to see rhymes players are it's not that like last season cruel didn't ever, he didn't get a buff people just learned how to play him right. um and I don't recall Ryan getting any kind of buff. I think people are just learning how to play him. And with uh, Gwen, or not Gwen, Grace and Catherine being so meta right now, we're starting to see Finn show up more. We're starting to see Lance show up more. You're going to have a lot more double melee comps, and that plays right into Ryan's hands. All right. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see how that ends up, you know, these upcoming weekends. Uh, second game series, uh, Gangstars versus Hammers. Uh, you know, terms were thrown out, train wrecks, different things like that for this series. <laughs> Ouch. You know, that honestly. Was, that was my matchup of the week. Yeah, I mean, the, there were 17 kills on the Gangstar side before Hammers got their first kill. And Hammers 2 owes this series. So, I don't know if it's gangsters not being able to, you know, macro play, capitalizing on objectives, you know, controlling the map when they're getting kills. I just, in Bangalore at this time, I don't get how a team has 17 kills and doesn't win. If, if Cloud9 gets to 17 kills, 
there's no way they're going to lose the game. Like, I just don't, you know, I don't see TSM or Cloud9 getting that many kills and not winning. I guess unless, you know, the other team has a lot of kills as well. I don't, I, I could be wrong. Well, and there's something, I think there's something, and I don't know what it is. I can't tell you. Don't ask. But there's something <laughs> about starting all over versus Gangstars. Because if you recall last season, Gangstars, I, don't, I couldn't tell you what week, what match, but Gangstars is pushing in on the crystal, both crystal turrets down, all three Gangstars there to push in on the crystal, only starting all, you know, starting respawns. He's the only member of his team up and he pulls off the 1v3 and then he does it at least one other time in that game. And Gangstars had, I think, three or four turrets left at that time. And somehow Hammers manages to come back, even though they had a three versus one pushing in on the crystal. So, and we see similar from this match. It's the only part of the match that I got to see because somebody tweeted out the Twitch clip of it. But starting all over with this amazing Idris play that, that he had where he was basically dead. Yeah. And then somehow he manages to get the kill uh, in the 2v1 situation or both kills. And so there's something there. I don't know if Gangstars underestimates him. I don't know if they just kind of they get overconfident or, if, you know, starting just has their number. You know, we see it in other sports where some players just perform against a specific team. Uh, but it's not the first time we've seen starting make some type of miraculous comeback against Gangstars. Yeah, I think he's just Gangstars kryptonite, you know? I mean, that's just that's all <laughs> there is to it. Yeah. I mean, he, he's always had the ability to 1v3 and stuff, but it was just crazy to see a match where Gangstars or any team has 17 kills and the enemy team, Hammers, got one ace, and that was the ace that ended the game. So it just shows, I guess, that one small mistake like later in the game like that can just swing the whole match. I mean, it was unfortunate for Gangstars. You know, Lulu on that scarf, you know, looked good. You know, she he was making good plays, and... Zeno was not, you know, Zeno wasn't doing that spectacular, you know, jungle that he can do. It was more of actually Lulu kind of carrying Gangstars at the time. So, uh, you know, Gangstars happens to let game one slip from him. Uh, game two, if we look at specifically the draft of that one, um, Crude, I don't know if you have that pull up right now or not. I do not. All right, hold I do on. Not. We, we all can pause together. So, yeah, so this draft for game two then, we see Gangstars uh, with a Lance, Blackfeather, and Samuel. And then we see Hammers, you know, starting just goes, I'll pick up Crystal Idris once again. Uh, Finn being banned away, that's a ban we're starting to see a lot more. Um, then we see the Glaive from Status and then the Grace. I mean, I'm going to comment on Status real quick. He was kind of new to this Hammers team. First game on that crawl, he struggled big time. Um, he went 1-9 early game. He was just, you know, getting absolutely destroyed by Lulu. It was kind of terrible to watch. But then he played that Glaive, which he is more known as a glaive carry he went nine and five this game uh did a lot better gangsters you know stuck in it but unfortunately it just you know hammers won this game too as well so yeah hammers takes that two to zero uh we all pick up points for that series uh moving on to our third matchup which was actually the second matchup on string is rogue versus nova uh we did see flash x early on in the stream they had the videos with all the different players, and Flash said that Rogue was a team he was looking out for, a team that may surprise people. Uh, we do see, you know, Pawn the Original coming in on this team a season back. Maybe their synergy has gotten a lot stronger since then. They're starting to play a lot better together. Going into this matchup, I was, you know, not confident in Rogue at all. I thought Nova was going to handle it well. 
Uh, Nova played great first game, uh, but then, you know, Rogue changes things up and happens to pull off the, you know, kind of reverse sweep and beat Rogue uh, two to, or beat Nova 2-1. to one. Crude, I'll start with you. Anything you want to specifically mention before we hand it over to Belligerent? Yeah, I mean, you might as well just want to mute Belligerent's mic because I know he's got a lot to talk about on this um, <laughs> without giving away any secrets or anything. Or, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was also extremely surprised with Rogue. Um, some of their drafting, I thought they played extremely well. Uh, just kind of going through, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, just looking at the drafts, though, I think that Rogue did surprise me. You know, they go ahead and pick up that the uh, the jewel and the rhyme. I'm sure Belligerent will touch on that a little bit if they were ready for that or if it has anything special to say about that. But um, yeah, I was. I mean, other than the fact that I was just surprised at how well Rogue played, I guess Flash X is right. We're gonna have to kind of watch out for him. I don't think that Nova. This is you know, the signs of tales to come. I think that they'll be just fine. Um, yeah, we'll have to see what happens in the future. But yeah, I mean, we we saw Bludrant mention that you know his team may have the online tournaments. You know, communicating online can be something that they struggle with. Um, so I'm gonna say a few things, and then I'm, I'll allow Bludrant just to say I'm wrong because you know I'm not in the drafting phase, so I don't really know what their thought process was behind it. But as a casual player who's just watching the matchup, this may be what other people are thinking uh, going in the second draft. You know, the sky. In the lane from uh, Truth. I mean, Truth, we've seen him be so strong on things like Idris and Celeste. Um, Celeste is banned out from Nova. They do ban the Celeste away. Uh, but, you know, Idris is still around, I guess, into maybe a comp like Rhyme in um, Sky or Jewel. That was maybe Sky's a good pick because, you know, you can kite well with her and using that Frost print on the forward barrage. Uh, looking at this third game drafting, uh, we do see Nova. Truth does get on that Idris. Uh, but we do see the Rhyme come out again with this Blackfeather pickup. I just don't know, Belligerent, what you guys needed to do to like stop this Rhyme from Pawn because it just looked strong, honestly. Okay, so uh, in Game 2, I felt that we had the upper hand until a great team fight um, from Rogue that happened in the corridor of the jungle. And let me just say this, and I think we mentioned it in our predictions, but or maybe not, I don't remember. But people, I think, are sleeping on Evol. I think Evol is coming close to reaching Gabe status where a team with Evol has a chance. Uh, he just pulls out godly plays, uh, and he's very dangerous. And they, we were actually winning the team fight. We had them retreating, and Evol baited it out perfectly, and he hit us with a, stu- or a, a silence that Starboy failed to block. And then he got the echo silence because we failed to block the first silence. And what that allowed to happen was that while we were pushing in, trying to finish off the kills, Hammy jumps in with the jewel and Starboy could not use his fearsome shade to disengage the jewel off of the sky because he was silenced. And so, you know, that was a, that was a turnaround for them. But I think up until that point, I think we had the upper hand in that match and it was just phenomenal play out of evil. Yeah, I mean, um, I was. Go ahead. Great. Go I was ahead. just gonna say for 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 the people who don't know that 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 jewel is that four offensive double tyrants monocle, and we saw you know I, I don't know if it was a pat two patches ago, three patches ago, whatever it was when that first kind of came onto the scene. Uh, Waldemar, I believe, is the one who first played that, and I mean that jewel is deadly 
when you get those four offensive items and can just tear through. So when you are double silenced like that, I mean, there's not a whole lot Starboy can do to try to save Truth or Lone Delphi. Yeah, and you can ask uh, Left Spectre, our analyst, because we sit in a, a separate Discord from the team and watch the games together. And I'm sitting there like screaming at the screen, "Why is he not using his fear? Why is he not using his fear?" And then they showed the replay. I was like, "Oh, he was silenced." Um, yeah, was Lone Delphi going so... into an Atlas to like? Would Atlas even affect Hammy, or is it just the Thunder Strikes that's absolutely shredding through them? It's just the, the Thunder Strikes is what hurts the most on that jewel and atlas could have helped because uh, i believe that that build also included a tornado trigger right to yep. help the basic attack so i mean you could have slowed that down uh, i personally was very if iffy about the sky in the lane uh, but our guys were very confident on it they said they had been performing well in scrims this week which uh due to some personal obligations i haven't been able to be as involved in scrims as i normally am uh but it was i mean the sky is a good counter into a rhyme and into a catherine um with that forward barrage i just think the jewel was too much uh and really like i said it was that one fight where i mean batiste into jewel is great right even mid jump if you hit her with that that ordain she gets stunned uh, right. The fierce and shade gets her to turn around and run away, which exposes her back. Uh, so we had the upper hand until that team fight where they just turned it around on us. Uh, I, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't have picked this guy. I would pick something else. Uh, but you know, it's part of being a coach, uh, you know, having faith in your team. Uh, I take the blame for that because ultimately yeah, I could have overridden it. I think we have some stronger picks we could have picked into it. But that was also a great comp by them because that is so much, def you know, so much just health in defense, especially when you're hitting the front of the jewel. Uh, Rhyme is tanky. Catherine, I mean, that's just, that's like trying to get, you know, drill through a brick wall with a BB gun. So... I mean, you want to talk about um, health and defense. I mean, you look at Hammy in the third game. He's got two offensive items, but then he's got a shiver. Uh, yeah, poison. No, shiver steel. Uh, Atlas. Steel, yep. Atlas, Aegis. He, man, he's got war tread. So he's just got insane amount of health, too, on that weapon power black feather. I wasn't expecting that to be just as dominating as the jewel was the game before. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one thing that we struggle with as a team, and I've said this to my teams, to, you know, to them. So I'm not really scared to say it on the podcast is we, we kind of struggle when we uh, give up a game that we shouldn't have. We struggle with the mental aspect of the game sometimes. And that's really just what game three was is, you know, I just don't think they were into it. We've seen that happen before on our team. Um, so I think part of it was that I take a lot of the blame for game three. I let them bait me into doing what they wanted me to do in the draft. Uh, they they banned the pedal, so we would ban the cruel. I should have just gone ahead and banned the black feather because he is so difficult to deal with. You can't CC him because he just goes through it all. Um, yeah. And we we just really don't like playing against that black feather. He's a good counter into a lot of the heroes that we do play. Um, but they they baited us into it. We were concerned about Pond's cruel. We probably shouldn't have been because we gave it to him in game one and we dominated that game. So I will also give Rogue a lot of credit 
they adapted their drafts to our strategy very well. They caught on to what we were trying to do in game one, and they just started taking it away from us. They started putting us in positions we didn't want to be in the draft. Uh, I'm not surprised to see the rhyme come out of Rogue, because Pawn is very well known for playing his rhyme. Uh, when they were in Challenger series, he was even picking rhymes into comps that you should never pick rhyme into. Not always being successful, but we know that rhyme is definitely a counter pick for him. I mean, I think we should just start a secondary series where Crude and I ask questions from a casual side about, well, this is what we would do in our <laughs> tier six draft and build dream be like yeah but this is what you know we kind of do in the pro scene so we would spend hours breaking down these games so um if no one else has anything major to talk about uh we can move on from this rogan nova unfortunately we all kind of yep. just uh you know we don't get any points i lose out a lot of points from semifinals to grand finals as well from that uh, unfortunate nova loss I yep. do too, but I'm also kind of handicapped in that because I already declared <laughs> that I'm never going to pick anybody to beat us. So uh, every week, I ha- we either we have to win the whole week or I got to beat you guys in picks everywhere else. So, so maybe yeah. we'll just count Belligerent's EU and we'll kind of have that competition with who wins EU. NA will maybe just more be between me and Crude since uh, Belligerent doesn't get to pick freely. Uh, no, so. no, no. I'm I'm only one point behind Crude. I needed all those points from TSM. Yeah, I think Endless doesn't want to do that because he's, uh, he's embarrassed right now that he's technically yeah. losing to a handicapped player. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this is good. This is good. Soldier, I don't like how you always see right through it. Just call me yeah. out on it. It's, it's whatever. <laughs> all right. Last game, Cloud9 Tempo. Tempo was a team that I said I was kind of doubting. I didn't know how they were going to play. Um, they didn't have their normal starting squad. God of Sins was in. Uh, he, I don't, you know, probably a good player. I don't know if he's as good as what Hyde is normally. Um, but you know, we see uh, Cloud Nine just kind of taking this game two to zero. They played some interesting comps. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I don't really have much to say about this game particularly. I mean. Like you had touched uh, touched on Gods of Sins, you know he hadn't. I know that he hadn't played in competitive Vanglory for like a year, so uh, maybe a little bit of a rust as far as going into this matchup. I mean, I'm sure you know he's been scrimming with them and stuff since he's been signed, but to actually get on and be able to play and be on comms with them and play, you know, I guess you you can't say live because it's not live, but first competitive game, you know, it, it he might have had a little bit of rust to shake off, and he might be playing better within the next few weeks here, but. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it was as good as what Hyde was. Um, yeah, Cloud9, they pretty much dominated this one. Not a whole lot to say, in my opinion, on this either. But, Widrant, you got anything? Uh, I didn't really get to see the match because I was still dealing with follow-up from our match. But yeah, I agree. I, going against a buzzsaw like C9 without your starting group is is already almost a lost cause. Um, I don't know that Hyde makes a difference in this series necessarily. I yeah. think we all pick C9 to win this series. But yeah. you know, let's I don't want to make it sound like I'm you know undercutting tempo necessarily or undercutting Hyde. Hyde is a very strong jungler. He has a lot of potential there that he hasn't yet tapped into. Uh, I felt like last season was a bit of an off-season for him. He was really trying to show people and prove that he wasn't just a Glaive and Kestrel and nothing else mattered player. 
And so I think he was feeling his way through some of that. Hopefully he's become more stable uh, in that sense. Uh, but, you know, to this point, and, and to be honest, we can we can probably say this about a lot of teams in the league, but Tempo seems to win games that they should win and lose the games that they should lose. There, There isn't a lot of upsets that we've seen come out of Tempo Storm over the past couple seasons. So... Um, I, I really, I want to, I'm looking to, looking to see from them that they can step up to the plate when it's crunch time against one of the top tier teams and, and hand somebody an upset. And we just haven't seen that from tempo. So I didn't get to see the match. They're playing with a sub. I, I'm not surprised to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, an upset against, uh, you know, a top team like that can really shake up this season just because of how important it is for those teams that are trying to get that world spot. Um, so that's our day one. Unfortunately, uh, I only have two points. Uh, just, just not, not a good start for me. Moving on to semifinals, we have TSM versus Hammers. Uh, you know, Hammers. I was going into this. I didn't know if they would have what it takes to be a TSM. Uh, TSM especially looked strong against Tribe. Um, you know, starting. I didn't think he'd be a carry like he did. You know, but we do see them playing. You know, not terrible. They played decent against the TSM. They do pull out um a crystal ringo i don't know if that was was that first game they pulled that out yeah yeah first game and i thought it was gonna be a weapon power you know starting all over i'm like well shit you know starting all over is got a weapon power ringo i mean they gotta win game one but it turned out to be actually be a crystal power with status going weapon power on that glaive so it was kind of interesting right and that was the other game that von c played the weapon power kestrel in the yeah. jungle so i mean no weapon power gwen oh sorry yeah. yes Gwen, weapon not Kestrel. Yep, you're right, which is not unusual <laughs> at all. So, yeah, the weapon power Gwen. Uh, I mean, once yeah. again, you know, what Belligerent kind of talked about, maybe just the team slow, best Chuck on the Celeste, just still being able to carry and Von C. I mean, three and two, he did good, but, I mean, he didn't, like, you know, get a crazy amount of kills. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. when they pick up those, those off-meta picks, it, you know, they're not... The, TSM usually does off-meta stuff with specific like wing conditions in mind, not Von C is going to carry us to a win like he can on some of his other heroes. They, I didn't get, like I said, I was at work for Sunday, so I didn't get to see any of the second matches. Uh, but like when, when TSM pulled out the Vox, uh, Kroll and Rome Kashka, right? They used Kashka for a specific purpose, not because it was this OP thing. And TSM is the best team possibly in the world at putting together comps for specific reasons rather than just thinking somebody's going to go off and have a field day. Uh, so I'm guessing that there was something about that comp where that Gwen played into it. Um, possibly the slow, uh, maybe it was, what was the rest of the comp? Uh, best Chuck was on Celeste and then TS or TSM flash X was on uh, Finn. Okay, so I mean, you have a triple stun comp there, an unorthodox yeah. triple stun comp, but with the quibble, ace is high, core collapse, uh, you can you really have the opportunity to blow somebody up there. So uh, TSM looks to exploit things like that. Did they pick the Gwen first or early on in that draft? Does uh, anybody remember? No, they actually they picked the Gwen very last. They picked oh, Finn okay. first, and then Celeste, and then Gwen. So yeah, it was the very last pickup. Okay, and, and know, if it that... matters. 
if it matters, Best Chuck went eight and zero. Oh, so like, I don't know. Maybe you can touch on this. Like you were talking about with the slow and stuff but like that. Butch Buckshot is also like revealing, uh, you know, in enemy bushes and stuff like that. So maybe it was just to let Best Chuck carry as hard as possible because I mean he was eight and zero. Oh, he was untouched. So yeah, it could be. But you also got to remember that Celeste has her own flare. You drop a, a helio in yeah. a bush and it lights yep. them up. So, um, it it almost sounds to me like maybe I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm not part of their draft, but maybe they were thinking <laughs> about the Celeste in the jungle. And then when um, the glaive was picked, they didn't like that matchup. Gwen has a skedaddle to pull that out. And then they could still have their triple stun comp. I don't know. Well, even the, right. even the caster said going into it or the analyst, like they don't remember when the last time Von C played Celeste. Cause just when you look at it, you know, it kind of made sense. Gwen has already been our best truck has already played Gwen one. So it was kind of like, well, I guess Von C will just play Celeste in the jungle. Celeste jungle is not that unusual. I mean, recently it's been strictly lane, but you know, when the game did get fired up, they realized that Von C was in the jungle. So they were kind of excited to see what was going to happen with that Von C on that Celeste or on the Gwen. Yeah, and you know, I still remember Von C playing a, a triple clockwork Finn in the jungle <laughs> and winning with. So, saying Von C doesn't play something is kind of a redundant statement, right? Right. It, right. He plays everything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty fair to say that Von C and almost all of TSM, but Von C specifically, plays everything if they can find something to exploit on a comp tsm will do it and that's why they are typically at least for the past two seasons despite their results in the championships they are so far ahead of the curve because they are not scared to be the trailblazers right like so many teams i this is something i struggle with with my own team um and i struggled with it on my my team prior to that is that like teams will like they'll watch EA to see what EA is going to do is doing and then try to adapt to it that way. TSM goes out and they think about things and they find things that work in a specific way. And they're not scared to be the trailblazers. They're not scared to pull out the flicker like they did two seasons ago and dominate with it. They're not scared to pull out the Rome Kashka and dominate with it. And then it's almost, it's kind of funny, especially like with the Rome Kashka thing, they pull it out, they dominate with it twice. They beat C9 with it once. I forget who the first team they pulled it out on was. Um, and then like everybody starts thinking about Rome Kashka. C9 wins a series with that Vox Kashka crawl comp. Uh, Gabe, Gabe Vizzle says, you know, this might be the most unbeatable comp ever. And then nobody plays it again. It's like TSM gets everybody thinking about this off meta stuff. And then they totally switch the song. Yeah. I mean, they always are pulling something interesting out, but I mean, unfortunately uh, it hasn't worked yet for them to win the, win the final. So hopefully uh, they'll get to the position they need at the end of these splits. Uh, Second game. We do see Chicken being benched, which I thought was interesting, whether it was from Hammers not liking his performance, wanting to try eliminate eliminate out, or if Chicken just couldn't play anymore. Maybe something came up and they had a switch. Um, I mean, Hammers won second game. I'm, I don't think it was because of the Chicken swap. Uh, I think eliminate, you know, he played decent, but I think we actually just saw kind of a misplay out of TSM late game. Starting kind of made like a pretty good play late game, which kind of swung the... 
the momentum over to yeah. Hammers, which ended up allowing him to win that second game. So I think Hammers should have won it 2-0, or uh, TSM should have won it 2-0, but uh, Best Chuck, like, stepped into a Kestrel pool, active camo, and, like, maybe thought it was gone, but it was still there. Starting, like, absolutely blew him up, and they end up winning that team fight, even though they were actually losing it. So, I mean, it was well played by Hammers, but um, I don't know, Crew, do you have anything else, like, specific you want to talk about this game? Yeah, not really. I mean, you pretty much touched on it with the Eliminate was really the only big thing I had for this game, so we can move on. Uh, third matchup, Hammers, first band Finn, um, Belligerent, I guess, real quick, without us going into another major tangent. Is this going to be something we're seeing a lot, is people just trying to that Finn just as, you know, back in meta, back as a top roamer? You're really going to ask me a question and not want a tangent? Um <laughs> I mean, yeah, I so, guess. So, <laughs> I think that we, I don't know if, I don't know that we'll see Finn become a top roamer again. I think that right now, Finn just threatens a lot of what teams want to do, right? Yeah. Finn threatens Grace. And I identified this uh, a while back when Grace first came out and was OP. The problem is Grace was such an early game hero at that time. She's kind of toned it back because of some of the nerfs. But Grace was such an early game hero at that time that the Finn just couldn't keep up, right? He couldn't get to his level eight in time to stop that Gwent or that Grace. But once he gets that quibble on that stun from his quibble online, that Finn can cancel out just about everything Grace wants to do, right? Because she's going to dive in, which means she's going to be within range of Finn. And a quibble will cancel the Holy Nova. A quibble will cancel the the uh, divine intervention. Uh, it feels like, you know, it feels like the migraine I have right now trying to play a lance <laughs> into a Finn. So, I mean, Finn just, and he did just get a buff. And right, one yeah. of the things that has kind of confused me over the past couple of weeks with the, from the Vis Pro into the first week of the... Uh, VG8 is I keep hearing the casters say they don't understand why the the emphasis on Finn. Well, Finn just got a buff, right? His fortified health just got pumped up from his uh, polite company. Yep. So he has seen, right? A sig- uh, 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 he's become stronger. And it's not that long ago he was one of the strongest captains in the game. Yeah. So... I'm not surprised to see these. I have actually seen a lot of a lot of teams picking and experimenting with Finn. When we played against Rogue, you might have noticed we first banned Finn when we were on A side because, uh, like you saw in our that first game, we wanted to get the the double tank comp, the Lance and the Grace, and Finn would have just destroyed that. And you, on top of that, you put that on Evol, right? Like I would have had nightmares about that if we had let that through. So I understand the emphasis on the Finn and the banning of the Finn. I don't know that if somebody actually gets a hold of the Finn, if he's if he's necessarily going to be that game changing top captain that you can just pick in every scenario. But I understand why we're seeing it. I mean, Finn's fun to watch. It can be kind of frustrating when, like, the, you know, maybe his abilities is, like, a big play changer is, like, his force of core. But, you know, I mean, most captains these days aren't really missing the Crucible when it comes to that. Um, you know, it's hard for 
uh, Finn to, you know, maybe actually hit those, you know, there, there, you know, even this past weekend, there were some that were hit, some that absolutely changed a team fight. Maybe one player was kind of, uh, pulled in and it just, you know, destroyed what the other team was trying to do. But I mean, I guess even now with these captains, how strong they are, even, you know, Catherine's splash trimmer can be blocked out, you know, everything, uh, can be blocked out. So, uh, I guess for me, if Finn misses that, then he's just kind of slow. It's hard for him to be necessarily in the middle of the fight. So I guess it all just comes down to positioning. So that'll be interesting to see how, what he continues to do. Um, but for this third matchup, TSM, kind of the big thing was just best Chuck being on that scarf. Uh, they banned Idris, pick up scarf, banned Celeste. So they really put hammers kind of maybe in a tough position about, you know, where to go when it comes to their laner. They ended up picking up the Kestrel, um, but you know they didn't let Hammers get any of those strong CP heroes that we've seen recently. Yeah, well, and I think that I mean banning Celeste makes sense because it's really a skill matchup, and that's one of starting's really strong heroes is Celeste. Uh, but when you have Scarf versus Celeste, it's a skill matchup, right? Who's going to yeah. land the most skill shots? Uh, the Idris with that shock room, and then just being able to just get on the back line anytime he wants with his uh, shimmer strike and his uh, shroud step. I can understand those bands. The Kestrel is a decent pick into the scarf because her range on the, the uh, glimmer shot is comparable to scarf's range. However, Kestrel is so immobile, right? Like she's ungodly slow. Yeah. I don't understand why she's like, yeah. she has no, no armor, no nothing, and a bow and an arrow. It's not even like she's, <laughs> you know, hauling, hauling around some big heavy sword. But she is slower than molasses. It's hard to dodge out those skill shots from the scarf. So, and then if you do hit her with the skill shot and you put her in the goop, she's just gone. Um, so yeah, I can understand those bands and that that. Yeah, so best shot goes seven and zero. Oh. Career, do you want to add anything to that before we move on to the second semifinal? Um, uh, not really. I got more to talk about on the Rogue in the next one. If you want to jump to that one, I can talk about that one more. All right, go ahead. Break it down the first game. All right, so first game, we kind of see Rogue try to do what they did earlier. I mean, they rhyme in the jewel again. Uh, bad news for them is they're playing Cloud9 this time, and it did not work out well at all for them. They, uh... you thinks. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'm just saying, Cloud9, uh, the one thing I do want to touch on, though, maybe Belligerent, you can touch on this, is if you look at all the games, I have most of the screenshots with Gabe Bizzle. In, I believe, all the games, hold on, let me, yeah, all the games, he's getting offensive items, at least one. And we've kind of seen this before. Captain's kind of doing this a little bit, but I feel like it kind of fell off a little bit. And I don't, or maybe it's just Gabe doing it. Do you have, I mean, is there anything to talk about or to mention worth that Gabe Bizzle buying these offensive items? I, I I did I don't recall which match it was but I do remember Fountain Echo and then he was building into Shattered Glass when he was playing Lance. Um, yep. <clears throat> Gabe is is in my mind pretty well known for building these offensive items. Like when he wrote, puts the uh, alternating current on it. Um, so he he generally, and I'm sure that if you talk to them or you were in that camp and you knew their strategy, their specific times and reasons that they do it. But in my mind, Gabe is pretty well known for putting offensive items on his captain hero, especially if it's a comp where 
he doesn't need anything else, right? If you don't give him a comp where he needs to build a crucible and an atlas or something like that, he's going to sneak one of those things in there. Yeah, I mean, he had Echo, Fountain, Crucible, but I mean, he didn't have War Treads yet. I mean, I feel like you get a little bit of utility on there, and he was already focusing on that Shatter Glass. I mean, he got the full Shatter Glass, so and this I was, was against curious. the Jewel and the Rhyme. Yeah, yeah, this was the very yeah. first matchup. See, I, I mean, what what was the rest of C9's comp? Uh, they had Vox and they had Kroll, so double weapon power there. Okay, so you you don't need War Treads against that comp because what do Jewel and Rhyme? want and have to do in order to win engage right they have to come to you so you don't need war treads to engage on them yeah if jewel turns around you're gonna blow her up because she's giving you her back yeah rhyme is older and slower than dirt so it's not hard (laughs) to catch him so there's really no need for war treads there's a need for crucible because of the jump right uh, so yeah, like I said, I, there's not really a need for Atlas into that comp. I mean, it's possible if you wanted to Atlas the jewel, but it's not necessary. So yeah, like I said, if you don't give him a comp where he has to build the utility, he's not going to. He's going to go more offensive to help out his teammates. Right. Gotcha. Cool. So yeah, that first game, C9 wins 13 of five. Uh, Rogue tried to pull out that comp once again. It wasn't as successful. I think really the thing is that I see Cloud9 doing is, you know, if they have the chance to get Vox, they're getting Vox, and they'll just build any draft around this Vox. It doesn't matter what they pull out, but you know, as long as old school's on the Vox, I his success rate on it has to be just stupid high. Like second game, once again. Uh, you know, Cloud9 gets the Vox, but this time they just switch everything up. Let's put a Fortress in the mix, a Sky, um, Rogue. They go ahead and they have um, the Scarf, the Lance, and for some reason I don't have Scarf, Lance, and oh, it was a Weapon Power Grump Draw, which was interesting to see kind of that back yep. in, in the scene. But, Belligerent, I'm sure you heard and see, I don't know if you didn't see or not, but whatever happened, Gabe decides to play Rome Sky, and the Fortress is actually in the jungle. Whether it was Gabe just say, well, I'll just, I just want to try this, or they didn't swap, or whatever happened, but you know, it, it worked. I don't know if it worked necessarily because it's a great roamer or just because it's Cloud9 and they can pull anything off. Well, Gabe, again, is pretty well known for pulling out these, like he's roamed Vox before. I mean, um, he doesn't do it all the time. Yeah, he's like TSM. He doesn't necessarily try to do something all the time. Yeah. Uh, and I actually can see the the theory behind the Rome Sky. And actually, I had a website that I was doing before I got into coaching and that got put on the back burner where I wrote an article about off-meta captains. And Sky was on that list. The reason is you put a Frostburn on her, she has a slow... She can zone you out in whichever direction she wants to with her uh, death from above. Uh, She's very good at zoning. Don't have to concern yourself with dealing the damage, right? If if there's a hero trying to run away, you just have to cut them off with the forward barrage, right? You don't have to actually hit them. You just have to cut them off with the death from above. You don't actually have to hit them. So I personally see the theory behind a Rome sky so that it the fact that it was gabe and doing a Rome sky doesn't surprise me because gabe can roam probably just about anything that he wants to um but 
I I'll, like I said, I've already like it's documented where I've talked about the theory behind a Rome sky. I mean, hey, real quick, did, did this fortress have was this the double proc fortress? I don't have the screenshot for the final, so I don't remember. No, he was more utility. He had like a okay. dragon blood contract, I believe. That the one that like would proc on someone, and then if you attack them, you get like a bonus damage on them. Yeah, that dragon blood. Yes, yeah, so they had that one. He had aftershock and storm crowd. So he was storm crown. He was more okay. utility. Um, Evol, he does build that shatter glass on the the lance himself pawn the original was going for the tension bow double tyrants i was interested to see that back on the full I and mean, it wasn't a clean matchup honestly 13 and 9 cloud 9 does win 28 minute game there's a couple times that rogue was able to kind of win a team fight and swing things back on cloud 9 so like it wasn't like that rome kashka where we saw it just dominate and no one no one knew how to handle it i mean seeing three death from the above's falling down in one team fight was kind of interesting just because you know rogue was kind of like oh crap we're trying to run this way and then gabe would throw it down they're like okay we have to go this way it was just hard for them to like avoid it so i guess it is could be conventional it could actually work i mean will we see him you know pulled out in every matchup probably not exactly i i it's situational just like all of his off meta picks are going to be um and again i didn't see the draft order but it could also have just been a flex pick into whatever rogue was trying to run maybe they pick this guy knowing that he could roam it if he needed to and then when they countered it they moved it to rome and sky yeah sky was picked last so i don't know okay so maybe it wasn't um but again, like like you said, the the zoning potential of a sky um, is huge. So yeah. So I mean, Cloud Nine handles himself, you know, pretty well against Rogue. Um, you know, so far Cloud Nine's two zero to everyone going into the finals. TSM, uh, this El Clasico matchup, TSM versus Cloud Nine. Cloud Nine has not been able to beat them. Uh, you know, summer splits. It's just always been TSM in the top. Cloud Nine gets to the live finals. And then gets shut down. Doesn't get to finally face TSM. TSM always somehow gets knocked out. Um, so they got to you know face them again in the finals here. Cloud Nine, you know, drafted well. Um, TSM like normal. Yeah, well, yeah, drafted normal. TSM was kind of forced to ban first ban Vox each game. I mean, when when old school plays as well as he does on Vox, I mean, is it is it necessary for them to first ban Vox and maybe? go away from banning away these captains that we've seen, you know, kind of being first banned. Well, here's the thing about that. And I actually learned this at the live championship when I was trying to prepare us for C9, because I went back and I looked at all of the drafts uh, from the summer season uh, and specifically at the TSM drafts against cloud nine, because who was the only team to beat cloud nine that season was TSM. And except for like the first week of the summer season when they met uh cloud nine every single draft they ever do against cloud nine is bandbox first yeah so that's nothing new for tsm they clearly respect the vox uh we even did that uh for three out of our four drafts against cloud nine at the live championships the problem with that is you're then giving him a Daggio. And that's exactly who he picks up. Well, is this, this right. is the second um, game. But. So the, the Vox ban is not uncommon, especially coming from TSM. Yeah, so Crude, do you have the draft for the first matchup? 
Yeah, I do. You want me to go through, yeah, go go, through it real quick? Let's do the drafts for the championship, and then we'll talk about them. Okay, so first up, you got Cloud9 on side A, TSM on side B. Uh, Cloud9, they go ahead and ban away the Grace right away. Allows TSM to ban away that Vox, like you had said. Uh, Cloud9 then goes ahead and picks up the Catherine. TSM, go ahead and pick up Scarf. TSM then bans away Celeste. Cloud9 bans away Kroll. Uh, and then uh, TSM, they go ahead and pick up Glaive. Cloud9, they ban, or they pick up the Sky and the Baptiste. And then TSM finishes up by picking up the Lance. So the Weapon Power Sky into the Scarf. Uh, we've seen it, you know, be a success, be a success, not be a success. Old School has three. He has a Bone Saw, a uh, Poison Ship, and a Breaking Point. Three attack speed items. He was dancing around like crazy, movement speed like crazy. Best Chuck couldn't hit any of his Spitfires. It was kind of a rough matchup for him. He kind of just got bullied out of the lane. 13-1 uh, to 1 was the final score. Pillager, I don't know if you, I've talked enough where you may have forgot the draft already, uh, but any any notes <laughs> about the draft specifically? Uh, what was TSM's second pick? Uh, TSM's second pick was Glaive. Glaive, okay. And they finished that with Lance. Catherine, Sky, and... Baptiste. Baptiste. Yeah, so, I mean, the Baptiste shuts down the Glaive, paying the ass for Glaive to get his afterburn off. Yeah. Um, you know, Sky is one of those heroes that makes it really hard to land those skill shots, and that was Scar- that's what Scarf is predicated on. And, you know, really none of those heroes, except for maybe the Catherine's Merciless Pursuit, none of those heroes have to worry about Lance, right? I mean, if Lance lands an impale on the sky, sky's probably dead. But other than that, his, that comp that C9 drafted basically neutralizes his Githian wall, right? Nobody's trying to die. Right, right. Sky is going to surrey strike past him. He's not going to be able to get the in wall, get the Githian wall off. Batiste is not going to try to dive anybody um, with his little pimp walk there. And <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say, but I understand like the theory behind what they're drafting and why they're doing it. Yeah, so Cloud9 wins this first game. You know, it wasn't really the TSM we saw against, a, you know, Tri, who kind of uh, dominated. They just looked like they struggled. I'll go through the second, dra- or the second draft here. TSM on side A, Cloud9 side B. TSM bans with a box. Cloud9 goes ahead and bans with a scarf, uh, even though Best Chuck kind of struggled on it. Uh, they go ahead and ban it. Pick up that uh, Grace. Uh, Cloud9 picks up the Grace. TSM picks up the Catherine. Uh, first ban for uh, TSM is Crawl. First ban for Cloud9 is Baptiste. Uh, then we see Adagio for Cloud9. So obviously, I mean, you can take away Vox from old school, but you know, Adagio is still there for him, which is just a strong. TSM finishes with Celeste and Blackfeather, and then Cloud9 picks up Glaive. So from a casual player who just watches a lot of competitive. You know, for me, seeing the Black Feather into like the Grace, you know, he can just rose offensive past Grace, can get on top of Adagio. Uh, you know, the Celeste best check, you know, succeeding so well, maybe able to stay in the back lane. I don't know. For me, I just think TSM has won the draft. I think they have the better draft. Is it just because of old school, you know, is just so good on Adagio? Uh, you'll so have real, to. Real, real quick, let me get in my quick opinion before we get your professional one, and it, it will make mine look dumb. But the only thing I will say <laughs> is, 
the whole the whole black feather with Von C, I agree with him getting on that back line and stuff, but he went if you look at his build, he went with the serpent's mass and breaking point. I mean, he was going so much he's not that typical Von C like super aggressive like the T Tigers early game. I felt like he I mean, he went 2 and 7. He I mean, he didn't do that well. Flash X went 1 and 7. So that's the only thing I wanted to say about that. I didn't like that Von C didn't go more aggressive build, I guess you could say. I mean, Blackfeather really always builds a lot of defense to try to sustain. Well, I mean, right. He always has. Right, but I mean, you, you'll see some people build Sorrow Blade and stuff like that, or, you know, a Poison Ship. Just, I mean, I know there's you got the healing with Adagio, so, and not to mention the Grace, too. So, I mean, is there something to be said for that belligerent, or no? Am I wrong on that? Um, first, remind me of the comps, because I feel like Endless said them out of order or backwards. Oh, or something yeah. Like I did say them backwards in the beginning. So I'm really confused, and he called <laughs> the second bands the first band, so I'm really confused about what the final Second band's were. the first band. So final comps for Cloud9 <laughs> was first pick, Grace, Adagio, and Glaive. For TSM, first pick, uh, Catherine, Celeste, and Blackfeather. Okay, so Catherine, Celeste, and Blackfeather uh, into... Grace, double heel glaive. Okay. Yeah, double heel glaive. So I think that I mean you need that sustain because with all of the healing coming out C9, you were and with Glaive is just is still like the I want to say the second or the third highest uh HP at level 12 without any you know additional items added to that. He has over two thousand hit points at level twelve, which is huge. Um, so you're not going to blow any of those characters up. The only one that has potential to get blown up by a more bursty offensive build is going to be the Adagio, but when you have Adagio heal, Grace heal, and then the peel from the afterburn, you're really going to struggle to blow any of those up. Uh, the Serpent's Mask breaking point on the Black Feather is pretty much the, the typical meta weapon power Black Feather. I could see an argument for getting a poison shiv in there, maybe even before the breaking point from because of all the heal. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of why I don't think a more offensive, more burst would have worked. I think you needed to be in it for the long haul. That's what the serpent's mask breaking point build does on a black feather. The problem that I see with the drafts and on TSM side is there is Blackfeather doesn't make a good front line. Uh, Catherine is a decent front line, but she's a decent front line when you need to body block something and there's nothing on C9 to body block because she has her bubble. She can reflect it back. Yeah. There's no peel on the side of TSM other than the Catherine stun. And when you have Grace to dive, when you have uh, Glaive to dive, that one stun isn't going to stop them. And, and the and, crazy thing was, there wasn't, like, I Love Joseph was diving in and Gabe Vizzle was too, but like it was really just like I Love Joseph using afterburns to keep Von C away from Old School. Old School went 12-0. and zero. So like, it wasn't that I Love Joseph oh was, damage. you know, in the back line just destroying everyone. It was just like old school just never being touched. You know, uh, Gabe and old school using heels on I Love Joseph just to purely keep them alive. And it was just old school just picking them off one by one. Like, Bon C just couldn't do nothing. It couldn't do anything. Right. 
and 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 again that's that's uh black feather's not a great front line he's great for getting past a lot of cc now von c uses his uh rose offensive to get past the the holy nova from grace this you know the knock up the stun and what happens glaive afterburns peels him away adagio can burst him down again yeah so that's that's why that comp that they drafted worked into what c9 drafted uh is because they just they had two different right like the holy nova is going to force von c and that's also uh, the black feathers best way to get to the back line is to just rose offensive. Even if there's no CC, it just covers such a large space and it just goes through everything. Right. Yeah. That's how you get onto the back line. Once that's burned, mm-hmm. even though you have two charges, a lot of times players are only playing with one charge of it because it takes so long for the second charge to regenerate. You have the peel from the glaive, right? Glaive, uh, Grace doesn't really offer you peel. A stun is not really peel. It's not pushing them away. Um, so you use the peel from the glaive, which is a very strong peel because it, you know, it, it repositions them. And then, right, your TSM is stuck with Black Feather on the front line because he just burned his rose offensive and got knocked back out, you know off of their back line back in TSM's front line. And you have Catherine to, to use as a front line, which there's nothing to really front line there uh, for Catherine because she doesn't have like a glimmer shot or something to reflect. She has Adagio's burn that's just going, you know, tick damage is the counter to Catherine. Right. Uh, th- things of that nature. Uh, that's why that comp worked well. And the glaive and the grace is really kind of just textbook C9 when the opposing team picks Catherine. When the opposing team picks Catherine, C9 always picks a dive comp because they know Catherine has no peel. Right? She has a stun. She can stun one of us, but she can't stun all three of us. And they're just going to rush onto the back line. Yep. Um, and so. Glaive Grace is like it's if from what I've seen of them, it's literally their favorite comp, uh, the Glaive Grace to play into a Catherine. Yeah, I mean it was perfectly executed by Cloud Nine. Uh best Chuck, I mean, he did his best to, you know, try to kite away and you know, he went 0 and four, couldn't get any kills, but I mean when you look at the seven deaths from both Von C and Flash X, you know, he did his best to try to not die a lot, but, um, you know, I love Joseph and specifically old school, just able to do a lot of damage. Um, you know, best chug out farming old school, even still, uh, it just, he ascendant look very strong in the championship. Cloud nine goes ahead and takes week one. Uh, doesn't really matter. I mean, technically TSM is, you know, first place when it comes to, trying to get a spot for worlds, uh, final points for week one was, Cloud9 with 8, TSM with 6, uh, Hammers, they do win um, the third place uh, matchup against Rogue 2-1, to one. so they have uh, 6, I believe, Rogue would have 4, Nova has 1, Gangstar's Tempo, and Tribe all with 0. Um, no, Hammers, the most Hammers can have is 5. five. Yeah, 5, okay, so that is right. The screenshot I had was before the third place match had finished, so I wasn't sure how many points they actually ended up with. But um, that is the final point standing for uh, North America, or North America, NA. Uh, when it comes <laughs> to um, 
our MVPs, uh, if we had to pick our MVPs for each position, uh, let's see, Cloud9, they finished with 83 kills and uh, 20 deaths compared to TSM. They finished with 58 kills, I believe, and like 56 deaths. Uh, I wanted really give it. I wanted to give it over to Best Chuck, but unfortunately, old school finishing uh, 39 and nine with 35 assists. I love Joseph finishing 29 and seven with 47 assists. Uh, Gabe Fizzle finishing with 15 kills and four deaths and 59 assists. Uh, I could probably run through and name uh, a lot of hero or a lot of laners that have less than 15 kills. I mean, granted, he did play six games, uh, but you know, honestly. Just from the whole Cloud9 or yeah, Cloud9 squad all together, uh, we're gonna go ahead and give over the MVPs to Gabe Bizzle, Old School, and I Love Joseph, all three of them, uh, for you know playing extremely strong first week, coming off of a win. Summer lies. We didn't know how serious they're gonna take it, what they're gonna do, uh, but they performed extremely well. Um, when it comes to our terrible fantasy right now, or not fantasy, but our pick points. Uh, endless with two points. I had two points. Crude had two points, and belligerent with five. Uh, so total score for week one is endless with four. Crude or belligerent with ten, and uh, crude with eleven. So, um, you know, I, I guess I'm making up to do belligerent and crude are neck and neck going into the second week. Uh, let's see, where, where are we at our mark? Oh, hour and twenty minutes. We're ahead of schedule. Belligerent, anything else you want to talk about? Um. Oh, no. way to go. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready for that throw. Uh, <laughs> no, there's not a... I, okay, so here's something to talk about. I would. I really hope that it, if we don't see it this season, I hope the introduction of 5v5 brings it. But right now we have no parity in either region, right? In the first week, we see both last season's first seed and second seed end up in the finals of the first week in the autumn season. So I hope that we get to see more parody. I hope it's just not fanatic SK TSM cloud nine all yeah, season. Yeah. I really want to see some of these teams pull it together. I really want to see some parody in the, in the region, right. In NA and EU. Uh, I expect to see a lot more of it in EU just based off of how they always play. Uh, which is why I was telling people that a lot of the people in our fantasy league were sleeping on the EU players because EU tends to go more two and ones is where NA tends to be more two O's when it comes yeah. to matchups. So EU players are getting extra games yeah, uh, for their stamp for their fantasy points. But so I expect EU to have some parody, but we haven't seen it yet. And I don't know who that team is going to be. Uh, Right now, NA kind of looks like your typical NA with TSM and C9 way above everybody else and the rest of the league trying to play catch-up. Uh, so I hope to see some of that change. I mean, we aren't going to talk about this. We're not going to get in the discussion. It could, it can just take too long. But, you know, we're seeing tweets and people kind of, you know, talking about the viewership, but it's not something we can deny. Viewership of Vainglory Weekends. You know, we're sitting at like 1,500. Uh, we're sitting at, you know, 2,000, back to 1,500. I mean, they're not crazy high numbers. I mean, who knows what that's associated with, whether people don't want to watch NA just because we know how it's going to end up. You know, it's not – I'm not saying it's not exciting. I mean, there are exciting matchups, but, I mean, that could be a part of it. Maybe uh, Vainglory 8 in the future becoming Vainglory 
12. Obviously, I'm just making things up, but you know, seeing more teams, more players because of that 5v5, maybe we'll have a lot of roster switches, a lot of crazy talent finally coming together. And especially with like we've heard from Flash and other players talk about, you know, you can have, you know, mechanical skills, but not necessarily uh, all that small macro detail, which that's what 5v5 is going to bring. It's going to be a lot more in depth game. So hopefully, hopefully. 5v5 will be what Vanglory, the Vanglory scene needs. Right. Not to mention, or... not to mention bring in more teams, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, you know, we saw Immortals leave and stuff like that, but, you know, just, you know, not to get on the League of Legends, but all the teams and the big organizations that they have that they can offer these players, you know, a lot more than what, you know, Planet Reborn can offer. <laughs> not even an organization, really. Yeah, so, or what we have to hope for uh, what SEMC has to hope for, what all of us uh, Vainglory diehards and Vainglory fans have to hope for is that it going 5v5 pulls in some of those traditional MOBA players that makes them start being willing to give Vainglory an opportunity. Because as it stands right now, when we hit 5v5, there aren't necessarily enough players to fill all these rosters, right? Right. We we look at right people look at the the challenger league and they're like, oh my god, these teams are so like look at Echo Fox. Echo Fox last uh, challenger season, last VIS season goes undefeated, doesn't even drop a match, I don't think, and then they go get blown up by Team Queso. Um, <laughs> and but on top of that. Echo Fox won what I think one series, which was against Nova before I was the coach. Um, <laughs> in in the VGA, and that spans like both seasons that they were here, both iterations of that team, different rosters. They had zero success in the VGA, but they go down to challengers and they dominate what that tells me is there is a huge discrepancy between where the VG8 teams are and where the challenger teams are. And when 5v5 comes and you have to suck all of those challenger players up into VG8 level just to fill rosters, what I am scared of is you're going to continue, and it may not be TSM and Cloud, who knows, but you're going to continue have this there's two top teams and then there's a big open field between the rest of them. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if big orgs just, you know, step into the scene to give support to those players. Uh, obviously your analyst left, what's his name? Left spec. How do you say it? Left, left specter. So yeah, he made that YouTube video talking about uh, challengers and just how it's, you know, filled with a lot of, young players who get their iPad taken away before the match and teams falling apart and, you know, players that are maybe could be good players if they could actually stick around. But, you know, they just, it's just challengers is, you know, not the best right now. Like you mentioned, you get Echo Fox who destroys everyone and they look like a TSM in challengers. And then once they get to VGA, they lose to the lowest seed in VGA. So, you know, like yeah, like you all just said, it's a, there's a big difference. Hopefully, that skill gap will be, uh, I guess, filled, or you know, it'll, make, it'll be smaller once five v five happens. Who knows what's gonna happen? Yeah, the, 
The other thing I will say about that, is, and we don't know this yet until 5v5 comes out, but there is the potential because there are more roles, more positions. There's the potential to have like now uh, players who may not be great at like 3v3 because 3v3 is so predicated on team fighting. As where 5v5, you're going to have players that are stuck in a lane by themselves for a majority of the game. So we have the potential to see specialists come into the game where a player who may not be very strong at the team fighting aspect of VG, but they might just be this monster top lane or bottom lane player who can just out farm everybody. And, you know, in, if for people who are familiar with 5v5, right? There is a lot to be said for a player who can just hold the lane and keep the towers from going down so the rest of their team can focus on right winning the rest of the map. And right. and if you have if you have a very strong laner, especially somebody who's really good at farming and really good at not dying, even when they're one V two, right? They can be a smart player, they can play back underneath the turrets. Um, and they can just defend that lane by themselves so the jungler doesn't have to rotate, so the uh, the captain doesn't have to rotate. There's a potential there for some specialists. <clears throat> um, ganking is going to become much more of a specialty in 5v5, I'm assuming, because there's going to be more than three bushes that you can gank from. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. I mean, we've seen some map teases but we don't really know what the map's gonna be like so it's even hard to kind of predict obviously when i see 5v5 all i think of is league so that's what i'm picturing the map to be look like but you know i don't think bangler is just gonna copy that straight up so they're gonna do their own uh own style their own jungle camps own objectives that give you you know a blue buff red buff as in like a crystal power weapon power buff so it'll be crazy to see what happens uh that's a minute 30 we are actually six seconds over um, we need to do closing statements. Do we have anything else from you, Crude? Uh, nope. Uh, enjoy kicking your guys' butt in fantasy. Uh, it's been fun so okay. far. You're Even like one point. <laughs> one point. You're one point. Don't uh, don't get cocky. Hey, a win's a win. Okay. <laughs> so far, fair enough. Belligerent. I think I just made my last statement. So fair enough. <laughs> um, we will see you for our prediction episode of next week. Um, for those that yep. are listening, if you are involved in the fantasy, uh, you know, keep tweeting at your players, you know, keep pressuring them to make some plays. It's going to be a fun season altogether. Uh, thanks for listening guys. Cheers. Cheers. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to Time for Rolling. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play Music and subscribe for weekly episodes. Follow us on Twitter at Time for Rolling and at TFR underscore esports. Until next week for another edition of Time for Rolling.